You're listening to the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. In today's publishing landscape, you can reach fans all over the world. Query letters are a thing of the past. You don't even need a literary agent. There is nothing standing in the way of making a living from writing. Join two best-selling authors who have self-published more than 20 books between them. Now, on to the show with your hosts, Autumn Burt and Jasper Schmidt. Hello, I am Jasper. And I'm Autumn. This is episode 42 of the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast, and we are going to talk about feeling overwhelmed today. And uh, in many ways, uh, today's topic is it's a bit personal. So I, I guess here up front, I, I want to thank you, Autumn, for <laughs> the, the fact that you agreed to share some about uh, you know those feelings for the benefit of our podcast listeners. So I hope we, we're going to create an episode here that will really help people. Yes, we're going to definitely keep this one real, folks. And I promise I will not be breaking down in tears, though. <laughs> no, hopefully not. Uh, so, but we'll see how. And, and hey, I also have to say, apologize if my voice sounds a bit raw today. I'm still recovering from a cold. And uh, I actually had a bit of fever over the weekend. So that was really annoying. Uh, and I am feeling better now, but I, I'm not quite there yet. So uh, sorry about the bit rawness here in my voice today. It's really not and that And I'll bad. try not to cough in your ear as well. <laughs> that sounds good. But yeah, that's the funny thing doing the podcast. So I can't see you so for all i know you know you've got like your pajamas and your robe on and a washcloth over your forehead so hopefully you're not that ill anymore no no (laughs) no it's not that bad uh and i know i wasn't uh in bed either you know uh, sleeping all weekend or anything but uh, i was still i was still moving around but i really wasn't especially saturday i was really feeling bad but uh that's it's getting better that's good that's an important thing you know and it's funny because i i just picked up adam from a uh leave no traced master educator canoe trip so we had this wonderful training where he went to go canoeing in the adirondacks in the fall weather and while he was gone i had the camper to myself for five days and i picked him up and he absolutely had a great time it was fantastic he met some fantastic people uh he passed obviously so now he's a master educator and can train other people on how to leave no trace but what was interesting mm-hmm. is that of all the things, he has a lingering bad back. So he's um, ever since I think it runs in the family because his mom has the same issue. So, oh, my goodness. Yes. Talking about things that are slowly recovering. He is limping around very much. And it's always one of those it's a perception. We kind of talked about perceptions and stuff before, but I've always thought it was you you look at someone and you you know people look at him and he's six foot two broad shouldered it's very you know he looks like he would be a police officer his family way back to his great great grandmother was a warden at a women's prison so i mean he's got that physique and they're like oh you're so strong you can do anything it's like dude his back is so fragile it's like a i feel so bad for him i haven't seen him in this much pain since um Oh, geez, when we probably first met 19 years ago. <laughs> and <he's>, uh, <laughs> right. But it's recovering. And I think it was just the way he was sitting in the canoe and paddling. I'm like, next time you wear a brace, next time you do this. and But he's on the mend. Yeah. And yeah, at least he got to go out. Some of the pictures he took during the course were just, I almost wish I had gone with them. But hey, I had some time on my own. And I got to explore some really cute towns, including Lake Placid, where the Olympics were held, Winter Olympics were held twice. So 
I had some fun on my oh, okay. own. Yeah. I went to a uh, creperie that the chef had changed trained with Julia Child. So, you know, it was a really difficult five days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and usually us introverts uh, we, we really hate being alone <laughs> oh it's yeah just absolutely horrible to not have to worry about what to cook for someone else or what time to eat <laughs> have to share my beer <laughs> it was really easy yeah. but didn't uh, i can't remember but didn't you tell me at some point that adam is also your husband is also a bit of an introvert he is he um he definitely needed some downtime he's trying to do better with his extroverting stuff like we were just in town today and i was walking in and talking to people at shops uh feeling out some stuff around town it's like i don't know how you can just walk in and start talking to people I'm like all right let, let's give you some lessons on breaking the ice with someone you're meeting for the first time so but it yeah, helps I, i could probably use some of those as well yeah. <laughs> some of those lessons yeah i definitely uh i learned by doing because i was a waitress for a year and i've also right, right. um i worked for the government. I was going to people's houses and farms and trying to convince them to do, you know, conservation programs with the federal government in the United States. Let me tell you, that's not always the easiest thing. And so you learn to talk no. to people really, I can talk to anyone. That's not a worry. But at some point, even I need to turn off and go curl up with a book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I <clears throat> I would say that it's probably fair to say I, I could, i can I can talk to anybody as well, but it it doesn't come natural in the way that I have to actively think the thought that oh I guess I need to go and talk to that person. I, I, <laughs> then I can easily do it, but uh, but it just not it doesn't come natural to me. You know, my natural reaction is just to you know go my own way and do whatever for myself rather than going and talking to somebody. Right, so I need to I need to be mindful about it and actively thinking about it all the time. Otherwise, I just don't do it. Yeah, I can understand that. I mean, it's I I re just was having this conversation with Adam. Actually, I remember in college, I would be so used to being alone and doing my own thing and working on my own projects, and I it would probably be sunset. And at that point, I'd be like, I really haven't gone anywhere today, and I haven't talked to anyone, and I'm kind of lonely. And so I would uh, oh, really? <laughs> go for a walk. You know, it's like dinner time, and I'm like. I I think I there's 15 minutes left in the cafeteria. I can go find someone to talk to and go have dinner. And yeah, I was always, um, it took until sunset. So I can go about, you know, until the end of the day. And evening, I think, is when my social time is. So if I could live in a community where the rest of the day you can work, and mornings especially, don't talk to me until I have my tea and I watch the sun come up and maybe I write for an hour, then you can talk to me. But evenings, I want to pull out the wine and sit by the fire and talk to the next 20 people in the room would be fantastic oh right i, I think evenings uh, i quite like to just uh, sit back and you know watch some netflix or HBO, <laughs> which oh by the way that reminds me did you ever watch the u.s version of the office i have not watched i've watched maybe two episodes of it honestly <laughs> All right, because I, I originally I I watched the UK version, which okay. was made uh, years before the US version. So oh. it's uh, it's Ricky Gervais, who's a, who's a English comedian who created mm -hmm. The Office originally uh, as a British TV series, and it was absolutely awesome. And then uh, later on, the US version then came out. He's also like uh, I think executive producer or something. At least he has he has his hands in it. Uh -huh. um, 
And then for many, many years, I resisted watching the US version because I just felt like it can, it's, it's just some sort of ripoff and it cannot be as good as the original UK version. I, I just never watched it. And then maybe, I don't know, maybe four or five months ago, I, I can't remember, something like that, but some months ago anyway, uh, I started watching it and I was like, oh my God, this is excellent. <laughs> it is just so freaking funny. You have no idea. And it it's and it has a lot of the same feel to it that the original UK version does. So it, a lot of the subtle humor and and the, and the characters are just absolutely awesome. So and, and then I was started watching and I got really hooked. And then I told my wife about it and she was like, oh. "No, I don't want to watch the US version. It's 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 probably not better than the UK." So it's exactly the same reaction <laughs> that I had. And now we're like, uh, I don't know uh, if she started a month ago or something watching it. And now we're a month later and she's watched more than me. So she overtook <laughs> me now. She, she's ahead of me in, in the episodes now. <laughs> so, but it's just, I don't know, if you get the chance, watch it. it it's amazing. I've heard that. I've so just fun. never clicked with me, but maybe I'll give it another try. Honestly, we just picked up and started watching uh, Disenchantment, which is the same creator of The Simpsons, Matt Groening. So um, uh -huh. he has a kind of fairy tales sort of animation cartoon. It's in se season two. And so we just watched the first episode of season two last night. And okay, you know, the Simpsons meets um, the uh, princess Beanie. Uh, Bean is the main character and her um, Lucifer, is, Lucy is her demon. And it's really kind of fun to watch that so that uh, maybe when we're finished with um our current season two of disenchantment all right that may be it a week on the internet with the am writing fantasy podcast so i was just inside the uh am writing fantasy facebook group uh, here earlier today and uh i saw that kel posted um that she's currently writing her first battle scene in her book. And then she asked people how many battle scenes other people have in their novels. And I thought that was actually a quite an interesting question. Don't, don't you think, Autumn? It was. I was actually, I had saw that one too, was going to mention it as well. So I thought the same thing because ah, cool. I hadn't, you know, everyone thinks about the climax, but you know, how many, what other battle scenes do you have? Do you throw them in as hurdles? So I've been looking at some of the comments to see, you know, what other people say. And, you know, it, it's kind of all over the place. Some people say quite a few because it's military yeah. fantasy. Uh, there's one, you know, a couple were like, just one. <laughs> so. Yeah, exactly. But that, that's also why I picked it out to mention it here, because I just wanted to pitch in here and basically say to Carol that at least from my perspective, you, you know, your novel needs as many battle scenes as is demanded by your story. And right. no more, no less. I mean, I, I don't think you can say that a story has too many battle scenes or it has too few. It, it completely depends on what type of story it is that she's telling. At least that, that would be my point of view. But I don't know what you think. No, I agree. I mean, it's I don't want to see too many of them. Like if I'm a reader and I'm reading a book. You know, if if there's swords and mercenaries and magic, even magic's a good battle scene. I expect, um, you know, some minor scenes, especially as characters are learning their powers or learning how to use a sword. There should be some scuffles and things that you're learning along the way before you get to the big climax. But, you know, if if your climax is something different, a totally different based type of story, then you know, maybe there really weren't, maybe there'll be a lot more running, maybe there's a lot more questing and searching, but 
again, there's usually something that attacks you in the woods. So I'd be surprised if there's only one, but I definitely, I actually, I hate to admit this, this is probably so horrible, but when I read Lord of the Rings, I actually <laughs> skipped, skimmed through the battle scenes because they were just too detailed and too many character names. And right. I just, at one point, I had two or three paragraphs into it, I realized I didn't care. So I just looked for the characters I knew, skimmed to the end of it, and ta-da, this is who won and kept going. <laughs> yeah. But that's actually where I think the the Lord of the Rings movies did a good job because yeah. in the movies you zoom into the characters and see what they're doing on the battlefield and then it becomes interesting. Yeah. Whereas these like huge uh, scenes where it's described that one thousand soldiers re- runs into another thousand soldiers and they slay half of them and it's like, well, that's not really that interesting because I'm not invested in those soldiers. But if if you sort of zoom into the character running in the midst of all these people and on all the chaos around and whatnot, then it becomes interesting all of a sudden. Yeah, I know we've both talked about that before. I mean, I when I wrote my first, especially the trilogy epic fantasy climactic battle scene. So I mean, you know, three books building to this scene, and you know, there were I think it ended up being nine chapters for the entire battle because it's huge. But I kept it to each of the characters, basically what their experience was to the battle. And that kind of made it Mm. so much easier to tear apart when I was approaching the first time ever writing something this big and massive. And it does. It means more for the readers. And it's really a great way to write it is just to focus on what's going on with this character and then I always say like having big telltale events that basically are become the time clock of the battle that this happened, that happened. So that way, you know, the reader can sync everything up. It works. It works great. But yeah, I definitely think keeping it, you know, keeping it relatable to the characters and your plot and how you're building it to make sure it's, it's fitting what's going on in the, uh, in your story. You don't need to throw in, you know, 16 different battles. There's no magic recipe, but like I said, I think it would make sense if someone's going to lear- be learning to use their powers that you should see some displays of it, even if it's just practice, before they get to the big, big scene where they mm. have to be at least a good enough master to hopefully win. Yeah, that that makes sense. Uh, I also picked out from the Facebook group that uh, uh, James had some trouble coming up with a title for his novel, or maybe, or I should rather say, he had three different titles, and then he wanted people's opinion on which one people thought the best. And he actually, he got a, a lot of votes on that uh, poll there. Uh, and there was also a clear winner among his three different options. So I think that's great. And I really like how the authors in the Am Writing Fantasy Facebook group are helping each other out with, with stuff like this. And uh, I did not vote myself for one of the options, but instead I actually pointed him towards uh, our episode 37 of this podcast since we actually covered that topic at great length there on how to pick titles for your novels. That's just um, what I was going to say. But if any of our listeners... Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, that's just what I was going to say. It's like, did he not listen to our our podcast <laughs> on it? I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe he was too busy or something. But uh, but he did he did reply back and say he wa- he would go back and listen to it. So uh, so that was good. I mean, not every people uh, have are subscribed and like me. You know, the the different podcasts I listen to, I listen to every single episode. But that's mm-hmm. not everybody. No. So and maybe it, it's going to tie into our topic of being overwhelmed as well. But uh, but what I was going to say before is that if any of our listeners are 
interested in joining a group of fantasy authors, you can just head on over to Facebook and then search for Am Writing Fantasy among the groups there, and then you will find us. And on to today's topic. Yeah, getting into today's topic, I, I think, first of all, I must share in full transparency that I've never really felt overwhelmed myself. So uh, please know that I'm not saying that to to make those who do feel overwhelmed feel worse or to sort of raise myself above them. I, I'm only saying it so that our listeners are aware that my advice on this topic might not be as good <laughs> as yours, Autumn. <laughs> That's not a problem. I think I am surprised. I can't imagine not feeling overwhelmed at some point with that how it impacts writing, but you are so organized. It doesn't surprise me. I think you, but then again, I, I also know being an organized person, usually myself, that when the cookie crumbles and you're an organized person, oh my goodness, it's disaster. It's like going into a kid's playpen where they had a tantrum and everything falls down. So I hope you never feel overwhelmed yeah. because I think when our, if you're the point person and the foundation of a lot of things in your life and when you crumble, it's bad. So, you know, stay where yeah, you're at. Yeah, there can be a lot of consequences. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I mean, there can be a lot of consequences. I've had, I've had employees uh, who have suffered from both, I mean, some overwhelmed, but I, I've also had a few who actually went into full burnout. Oh. So I've seen what it looks like on close by, at close hand, you know, and it's it's not good. Uh, so, but but as far as understanding how it feels on one's own own body, then... Well, I can't really say much, but mm-hmm. but I'll I'll try and um, give some reflections here. But uh, but I think, well, you've been through a bit of a journey here recently, <laughs> Autumn. So maybe you want to set us up for this uh, content a bit about uh, what what what's sort of been going on. Sure. Well, yes. If most people don't realize, I've been a full time author, graphic artist, and traveler around uh, sort of the world, but mostly in North America because we have a small dog and we just don't want to abandon our furry child. (laughs) We love, you know, we, we took him on because we love him. So we don't want to just drop him off and then go travel the rest of the world, though it's in us to do so. But we've been doing that for three years, ever since I quit my job, a very good job, um, on my 42nd birthday. Literally, was my last day in the office was my birthday. And so <laughs> I gave my two-week notice so that I can have a big birthday bash that involved the staff. I said yeah. goodbye to all my employees and walked out the door to a kind of scary big world. And it's been a blast. We have traveled over a hundred thousand miles in the last three years in a variety of vehicles from a jeep rubicon sleeping in a ground tent to a land cruiser 80 sleeping in a rooftop tent to now this four-wheel camper that we have and but it's it's coming i think to an end but i'm not sure we're in a transition period and when you're in a transition period it's i equate it to like you're walking in this really misty veil you don't even really know where you are you're just you're in this thick dense mist and you're walking sometimes in circles sometimes you're just kind of feeling your way and nothing has come clear yet where my next chapter is going to be and what we're going to do i Mm. mean i know there's things in me things i miss i'm a huge foodie i love cooking and i'm really miss you know having a kitchen and 
having, you know, making food and all those kitschy things. You know, I want to have a bookshelf with my own books. I don't even have a whole set of all my own books. I have to go to my mom's house <laughs> to see my books. <laughs> and I kind of want that. So there's a lot of desires. Um, and Adam feels the same way. My husband, he's an outdoor person, an outdoor guide. And it's kind of, you know, we've enjoyed our travel, but it's kind of hard to uh, be that to other people to work maybe in a job where he's guiding like kayak tours or hiking tours, unless you're in a place that, you know, you can do that. So there's a lot of this stuff that we kind of were excited to put on hold and toss it to the wind and go to Alaska and see some amazing, see the Northern lights outside of Yellowknife. It was a fantastic journey and there's places I want to go back to so badly. But at the same time, we've also seen just about everything. So we don't want to just you know, mm. keep going in circles. We're kind of ready for something new. And it's created a bit of an so, impact. Yeah, that, that was sort of what I was uh, going to ask about here. So do you think it was all the... Oh, the feeling of we maybe want to do something differently was it was that do you think that was the trigger for starting to feeling overwhelmed or was it something else i think it was the realization that we thought everything was smooth sailing and it was going fine and you know we just gotten this camper so we were excited to travel in something that's a little more comfortable than a rooftop tent and a land cruiser where you, I was doing most of my writing in the passenger seat or at uh, picnic tables. It's always fun to design a fantasy map. Um, J.M. Reed, this is you. Um, design a fantasy map for another author <laughs> while sitting at a picnic table. So we were excited, but there was a lot of tasks that weren't getting done. Driving every day takes its own toll. Um, there was a lot of times where it's like I wanted to go and do something, but I really needed to sit and write. I mean, I'm an author. This is a real business. And just, I felt a lot of internal pressure, pressure from the expectations I had for myself, the expectations of wanting to meet the needs of my clients when maybe I should have just said, you know what, it's going to be another week or so. <laughs> Sorry, speaking of the small fur devil. Hey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, the expectations of people I work with and even wanting to, you know, I write with you and spend time with you that I, you know, we have our own things we're working on. We're working on courses and books and all these things going on, plus my own personal writing and, uh, you know, just wanting to draw. And I think it all just became too many expectations. Yeah, so it sounds like it maybe it was more like a a built up over time rather than something suddenly happening or whatever. Yeah, I think um, I think that's usually because I am the rock in my relationship. I'm usually the one who can go through anything and get things done. And so when I get off the rails, it's kind of a huge hiccup in our lives that, oh, geez, yeah. you know, the bedrock just had an earthquake. And now what do we do when you're not feeling as motivated and excited and creative and just passionate about what you're doing when you show up and you're like, Oh, I got to work on this today. Don't I? Yay. Yeah. Yeah. I see what you mean. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I think it was a, uh, for me, it's always a slow simmer when I have a little breakdown. 
And I always joke mm. that, you know, I have one or two funky days every year, but this is, this has been going on for a month or more. And it's, you know, it's getting better now because I'm actively managing it, but it's still going on. I mean, I'm still stuck in my current uh, work in progress. I like at chapter, I've been at chapter five, six, somewhere in there for a month and a half. And I can usually pound out, you know, maybe not 5,000 words a day, but two, 3,000. Like I said, writing is my job. Mm. And I just, I write, I have a minimum, minimum goal that I write, even if it's like, I've got a ton of other things I'm working on. I try to at least write 500 words just to keep the story going. I have it all plotted out. I want to, I've, you know, my, my writer, author newsletters, I have my readers that they kind of know what's going on. They want to see what's coming next in the story. I want to have a publication date that I've promised. And I did, I pushed forward and I kept writing. And the other day I finally just looked at it and said, I'm just not going to pretend like I'm happy with this. And I won't say I deleted it, but I took it and I moved it to an outtake folder and I'm back to <laughs> where I was a month ago staring at the screen going I just need to make this scene if I can just get this scene to click together I know I can move forward but it just hasn't clicked yet but no but how did you recognize the fact that you were feeling overwhelmed if if it was sort of building up over time and almost sneaking up on you how, how did you recognize that this is this is what I'm feeling I think it's just a matter of at some point being honest, like maybe sitting down, I don't know if I was sitting down with Adam, we, he, we, and he and I talk a lot, obviously uh, almost 20 years of marriage. Um, we've built houses together and (laughs) fixed houses and lived in a camper together, um, for a hundred thousand miles. So we talk a lot. He's my best friend. And I think just saying, Hey, this is, you know, nothing's working. I'm feeling stuck. And I think for me, it was really like when I, my writing is stuck, my art was stuck, um, getting anything done was stuck. And I'm, and he starts saying, well, you know, it sounds like you're overwhelmed. You sometimes you need that outside perspective. And then I know I wrote you an email mm. saying, I just am not getting done the things I want to get done that I've said that, you know, these are the important tasks we've got ahead for us. And I just don't know what to do. And you always, always, you're like the best writing partner and business partner ever, Jesper. You always come back and be like, no, you know, you need to take (laughs) care of yourself. So, I mean, everyone, everyone I've talked to that I said I need more time to work on something has been fantastic. No one's like, oh, really? I needed that yesterday. (laughs) I think, um, all right. Yeah. I think a lot of the times it is expectations when we think, what the what we're holding ourselves to what we think should be going on in our lives and it's just not happening and it's that association that mistake that really messes things up and messes up you know what we're doing with our lives and how things are going and that's what gets us off track and it's sometimes just you know talking to the people in our lives so that they know that, you know, it's not that big of a deal, you know, it can give you breathing room. And that's one of my biggest advices is if you're feeling stuck, and you're feeling overwhelmed, that you just need to go and, you know, talk to the people in your lives, talk to at least one person, because you will immediately start feeling at least a little better, because it's not all bottled up inside of you. You need to at least say, hey, either if even if you can't say I need help, you can just say, 
I just need to, you know, take a break. I need to go take a nap. I know that's one of my biggest signs is I usually like to get up in the morning and write. And the day that I was like, I'd rather stay in bed and screw what I'm working on (laughs) and sleep for another hour (laughs) than go tackle this scene that I can't get through. Um, I'd rather, you know, do anything than that. I, when I started avoiding my laptop, which is my nephew, um, who's a computer engineer, by the way, jokes that I'm more attached to my laptop than anything else in my life. He's, he'll come up and be like, what? I see you don't have your laptop on right now. Um, you know, he right. would literally tease me that, oh, my God, I cannot believe I'm witnessing you without this other object that I thought was permanently attached to you. So... Uh, when I'm like going, <laughs> nope, I'm done with that right now. I need to walk away from that right now. That That is a sign that there's something big going on in life. Yeah. And I, and I think at least from what I have seen with, uh, with employees and stuff like that, you know, it's, first of all, I think it is really important to, to spot the warning signs when they're there. Because it, some people just don't see the warning signs or they don't listen to their body and they don't feel uh, feel it before it's too late. And that, that's that's how you end up in the complete burnout. And that's sort of the worst thing that can happen. So I fully agree with what you said there before about mm-hmm. speaking to people about how you're feeling and, and realign some of expectations with other people. Because often, as you said, I, I believe that if, if you are honest with people around you and saying, I'm, I'm just feeling overwhelmed and I, I need a bit of breathing space, mm-hmm. at least if most people would understand that and, and you know, say, don't worry about it. And as, and as soon as you get those confirmations, then at least you can sort of take that pressure off of your own shoulders and say, okay, well, other people understand and they're not expecting me to do something tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have that breathing space. Then you can also start to allow yourself that breathing space. And I think that that's important. It is. Um, but I also see from uh, from past experiences with employees, I've also seen a few factors, and you mentioned some of them already there, but a few factors that I've seen happening is if people are struggling with setting boundaries, meaning that mm. they know when to say no to uh, some some task or a project or whatever, because I still I simply don't have enough time for this, for example, uh, but then they, they, they end up saying yes, because they want to please everybody then usually those are the ones where you can easily head down that route of starting to feel more overwhelmed. And if you then don't recognize the signs, then you end up in a burnout because you you have a to-do list that are miles long and there's just no end to it. And you may be working yourself too hard as well because then that's the other part that you mentioned about sleeping because I think, well, exercise can help as well, but above all, you need to get your sleep um, and to get your sleep on a regular schedule if you can, meaning if as much as you can, going to bed the same time, getting up in the morning at the same time every day. I, I'm I'm pretty religious about that myself. <laughs> um, but but it, it makes a huge difference if you get your sleep or, or if you don't get your sleep, especially when you, when you have those really long to-do lists and then you start saying, okay, I just need to work more hours, mm-hmm. then I'll get it done, right? And then you start working 16 hours a day or 18 hours a day or whatever <laughs> maybe i'm exaggerating a bit there but but you get the point you know oh, that then yeah. you're on the you're on the wrong path to start you as, as soon as you start doing all that absolutely and that's it's definitely so easy to do i mean i know what it's like to be someone who tackles all these all the big projects i mean usually it's 
just, you know, my meat and gravy and what I want to be working on. But you can't always be the person bearing all the weight and getting it all done. Everyone deserves a break. Everyone deserves a vacation. And I think when you finally Mm. realize that, you know, you do need to set boundaries, even if it's like, okay, it's an hour or two a night. And guess what? You're like five o'clock or something. Uh, You know, the computer's going off and I'm going to spend some time with my husband or especially since I do this full time. I mean, like like I said, my nephew jokes that I'm on the laptop all the time, 12 to 18 hours a day. Well, that's not doable. I mean, we've been traveling around the United States and there's been times Adam's like, just just put it away. Just come, you know, go do a walk. Don't don't keep doing this. I don't you don't want your memory of where we've been to be you looking mm. at your laptop screen. And I do think that's very important. And so I know just overall of like what I could have done the last three years, I feel like some things have slipped because we were, we were traveling and I was enjoying it, but it was also a matter of suddenly going, I think some of our transition time right now is like, well, you know, we need more time to focus on our businesses and our what we're doing to make them grow because the bit of time they're getting right now is not enough. But it is, I would say my number one thing is after talking to people is to be kind to yourself. Everyone's got to have bad days. It's fine. You just need to be gentler. Like even my niece was just saying this, Kayla, to me as well, that it's you just need to be kind to yourself. Yes, the writing's not going well. Well, you know, I'm not meeting my word count goals. I'm behind on my schedule. It that, you know, giving myself pressure like that is not going to make me feel better. It's going to make me feel worse. And I'm going to backslide into being in a dark place, which is not where I want to be. So I need to be kind to myself and just recognize it. And to me, it's, it's basically embracing the fact that I know this time as difficult as it is, as difficult, you know, I'm walking in a mist and I have no idea what next month will even bring, much less where mm. I will be in two or three months. I just know something has to change. We haven't found it yet. But this transition time is fleeting. It will end. This is not forever. And there's sort of an acceptance of that and an embracing and just saying, hey, this is only right now. Yeah, I'm not writing well right now, but it will get better. I just need to keep, if not keep working, like uh, for the scenes I just deleted or didn't delete, like I said, I never delete anything. I move it to an outtake folder so Mm -hmm. that I can, if I change Mm -hmm. my mind, I can go back. And there are some good nuggets in there that I've already pulled out of it. But I know this one scene is just like, I feel like I'm doing, doing novice author stuff, like the throwing up minor obstacles that have nothing to do with the plot just to make it just to have something to write. And so instead of doing that, I got rid of all those little minor obstacles and I'm back to the main scene. And I literally basically started journaling to myself in my chapter. Obviously it'll be deleted later, but it's like, why is this scene happening? What needs to happen here? How does this going to relate to something later? How does it fit in the plot? I got out my diagrams of plot, the seven steps of story structure and how that integrates with character arcs and made sure everything was lining up. And, you know, I'm starting to see the importance of where this scene is and why it has to happen. And so it does fit in. It just has felt so pointless and I want to get beyond it. But (laughs) I haven't gotten there yet. But I also know, so I'm not writing the actual story, but I'm sitting there at least trying to figure out where the problem it is I'm having with it. And I know some of the problem is I realized I'm just not in love with this character. 
honestly, I feel like doing something I've told everyone not to do and switch to a different story that I'm more passionate about, even though I said this is the next series I'm going to write. I don't think I'm not, I don't think I'm going to do that yet. But mm-hmm. it, realizing that the character is not working for me, I can look at it a little bit more and say, why? You know, what what do I need to do to make this character more interesting yeah. to me? Because if it's not interesting to me and I'm writing a flat character, then it's not going to be interesting to my readers. So, you know, you start pulling apart these little threads and when your whole life is bound up in a big ball of threads, it helps to um, to pull it apart, pull apart your creativity. Because if you get something working on one front, it'll often, you know, start moving on other fronts. And I've definitely seen that. I mean, I know by sitting, taking a back seat and trying to take a few days off and just look over everything I've got going on, I can see some disconnects where it's like, I've done this. And I've done this over here and I never put the funnel, the little connector together to tell the people that this is done. And hey, I also have this group that I should probably tell and they should get together and they should probably like know about this. And so it's definitely you start seeing those connections that you're not making because you've been so busy that you're just getting the minimum done just because you then can say it's done and you can move on to the next task. And also speaking of tasks, go ahead. No, I just wanted to say when when you said that that was the, that was the other thing I was also thinking about was that uh, efficiency plays a, a big part here, <laughs> and, and I'm 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 all for efficiency, as you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a, like a religion almost for me. But um, but what I meant by that is that when you are straining yourself and you're working way too hard and you're trying to force things. That's mm-hmm. also where you often end up in those situations, whereby actually you're, half the time you're spending on something is is non-productive time. And what I mean by that is is that you end up, for example, as you just said, you start writing stuff, and then it's like, what is this? It doesn't make any sense. Or and then you maybe you put it in a different folder, or you delete it, or whatever people do. That doesn't really matter, but it's still wasted hours of work, right? Whereas, mm-hmm. and I, I do realize that this is way easier said than done. But <laughs> but if 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 you were able or one were able uh, to cut themselves a bit of slack and and try to get their sleep and and uh, and those things that we talked about before then you would also find that your productive hours are actually producing stuff that you can use mm-hmm. <laughs> so you're not spending twice as much uh, many man hours doing the same thing than than you have to right i mean uh, yeah the sleep thing is a big, really important thing and and also trying to cut yourself a bit of slack as we've said a few times now uh, to to not put that demand on yourself right yes and sometimes working more hours and harder is actually not the solution no and i definitely eating and i did learn i didn't realize it was i believe a japanese technique but it's one i've sort of came upon on my own and obviously of course no one's ever in no one's ever the first inventor of the wheel someone else came up with it before you but it's that you can only have three tasks on your to-do list at a time because i heard that before yeah i've definitely i'm one of those people who have a million projects and i have all these things i want to do but you can't really do all of them well and when you have that many weighing on you you do feel the stress so basically yeah you might have a list of all those tasks that need to be done but then you have an active task list and there's only three things on that those are the either the three things you're going to work on today or your three big projects whatever they are and nothing gets moved out of the other list until it's on the active and how you talk about making boundaries and stuff 
there's your boundary. You just kind of say, I'm sorry, these are my three tasks. Nothing else is going to be moved to the other list until one of those is done and you ain't it. So it's definitely taught me to be like, mm-hmm. these are the three things I'm working on. These are my three priorities. I am working on those. When one of those is finished or one of those one of those is at a stage where I can move it aside, I will choose something else to go. And that is all I'm doing right now. And if you don't like it, find someone else because that is just how I have to live my life right now. Yeah, the 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 variation I've heard of, of that one that you that you just mentioned is is basically almost on a more granular level in the way that the way I've heard of this that you put three things on your to-do list but they can only be things that you will get done today. Right. And nothing else. So basically it could be like okay, I'm going to write chapter number 8 for example. Uh, that that could be a thing, right? But it cannot say finish novel number four (laughs) unless you're like 500 words away from the end (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah exactly because otherwise it's like a maybe a month or two or three or four or five months long uh, to-do list thing however long people take to write a novel right but uh, but so it has to be something you will complete today and all three things has to be something that is achievable today so um, you have to be realistic in your own goal setting and then when you go to to bed at, or or once you're done with your workday or, or whenever it suits you, then you can make your list of three, three new things for tomorrow. But then you're feeling good about it because you know that you're making progress, but you're also noting, noting, uh, knowing that you're ticking off stuff on the to-do list because I managed my three things today. Exactly. So it is a way where if you are prone to feeling overwhelmed, that, that, that might be helpful. Definitely. And that's why I think when I, that's why I use a word count goal, especially right now. I mean, it used to be like write half a chapter, which is fantastic when you have the time, but when life's busy or you just think, you know, there's going to be other things you need to focus on that just saying, you know, I'm going to write 500 words. And like with Scrivener, we both use Scrivener, just watching that word count and say, okay, I hit my 500. Mm -hmm. You know, if I've got a little bit more time or, you know, if I can put a little bit more in, great, but that's it. And I've also definitely come to the realization that, you know, even time management, like saying, um, I'm working on this till 10 a.m. or till 11 a.m. And then no matter where I am in this project, I've got to move on to something else today. And so it's just literally starting to manage that a lot more actively where before it seems like things recently just kind of got away with me. Things were taking longer than they should have. So I'm just simply, Mm. you know, if it's going to take longer then it's going to have to get worked on tomorrow and making sure it happens that way. And, you know, taking a couple of days off every once in a while, taking the weekends off sometimes now, or I decided weekends are more my time. So, you know, I'll probably write, but I have some courses I signed up for and maybe just some fun stuff, the graphic design or, Hey, getting away from my computer, maybe doing something else. It really, we're not designed to work seven days a week, even if we're passionate about it. I've, I've met and talked to so many people that, you know, I see that they've kind of burned out in their own business and they want to, you can just hear it in their voice. They need a break. And I don't want to see that happening to me or to us. <laughs> so I've definitely learned that, you know, if you don't start taking breaks now, if you don't mix it up a little bit, that it's going to be you know, you're going to face that down the line because you do get burned out with things and you've got to find a way keeping it new and fresh and challenging. And usually that's by letting it go a little bit. 
Yeah, indeed. So uh, I don't know, is, is that is that sort of a wrap around the topic of feeling overwhelmed, uh, Autumn, or, or did you have some more stuff to share about your experience? I think that'll do it. I just going to say to people, though, I mean, you're not alone. And remember that whatever you're going through right now, it's temporary. And that no one else knows what you're going through unless you tell them. I always joked that I wish that if you had a cold, sort of like you have over the weekend, Jesper, that you turned a different color. I mean, if someone looked at you and you were purple or chartreuse, they would know you're sick. But, you know, especially our <laughs> internal, our mental landscape, no one knows what's going on unless you speak up. So, you know, that's what like our Facebook group for. This is a, you know, topping. I've talked to a couple authors about not being able to figure out this chapter. I've talked to friends and nieces and other people and anyone who's willing to listen to me talk about writing. And it's, it's important. It's important to be able to reach out to fellow writers who, well, everyone's going to know what you're going through. And if they haven't experienced themselves, they will relate. And it's part of the human condition to, you want to kind of clam up when you're feeling vulnerable, but the best thing you can do is reach out to somebody and say, yeah, I just in a rough spot. And you'll be surprised at how really wonderful most people are. So next Monday, I hope I have an excellent interview lined up for you, but I'll see how it goes, so I'll keep it for as a surprise for now. If you like what you just heard, there's a few things you can do to support the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. Please tell a fellow author about the show and visit us at Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review. You can also join Autumn and Jasper on patreon.com slash amwritingfantasy. For as little as a dollar a month, you'll get awesome rewards and keep the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast going. Stay safe out there and see you next Monday.